Uh, very sorry to bother you. My name is Ronan Kelly. I'm with RTE Radio. I'm doing a program for Patrick Stay. This is not a, a joke call, by the way. Yeah. I'm doing a program for Patrick Stay. Hi, can I speak with Patrick Day, please? Yeah, speaking. Yeah. I'm doing a program for Patrick's Day, and I'm trying to ring as many Patrick Days <laughs> that are in the phone book. Yeah. And I was wondering, can, would you have a minute to talk to me, or have I got you at a bad time? Not at all. Go ahead. Can you can you tell me a little bit about yourself and 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 where you're from? Not at all. No, I live in Ballyfermot. Yeah. And what age of a man are you? I am. Uh, be f- actually uh, the day before Paddy's Day is my uh, birthday. Wow. You know, 16th of March. Happy birthday. Thanks very much. I'll be actually away at the moment. I mean, we have a young girl that's autistic, you see, and I'm bringing her over to the dolphin thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's supposed to actually help them along with their, their problem, if you know what I mean. So that's the sort of situation I'm in. You're bringing her swimming with dolphins? The dolphins, yeah. Over in Orlando, I have to go over to, you know. God, what age is she? She's nine. When did you first notice? Oh, we, it's only from my wife. Like, I mean, my wife noticed that for so many months. I wouldn't have known because it, she was actually me first, you know. Yeah. She wasn't your wife's first child? No, no. All right. How many? How many children has well, your wife? I have a stepdaughter of uh, twenty-three. And did know? she mind you moving into the family? Did she give you a hard time? The, the no, actually not. No, usually that that, that does uh, yeah. account for a lot of uh, trouble. But this woman is a great woman, so I've never had any problems in that angle. You know. God. What was it your wife noticed about your daughter that made her think that maybe everything wasn't going so well? She thought it was a hearing problem. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was actually the speech. She wasn't kind of like comprehending what we were saying. You know. What's the story with the dolphins? What do they do? How does it help it, the children? They reenact with them, if you know what I mean. When they get in swimming with them, you see, it's supposed to do something for the mind or something, relax them and all this carry on. And it can have a change in them, apparently, because I knew a lot years ago who had a daughter the same, and they sent her over, and it kind of brought her along an awful lot. Like, a dolphin is a very intelligent animal, if yeah. you know what I mean. And that's the way it works. I, I can't actually tell you what they actually do, but I have to do a few programmes. I'll do a, go down a couple of programmes over there. That's going to be very emotional over in Florida, isn't it? I'd say so, yeah. Well, I'll be getting him or her anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the eldest one is coming with me. But my wife will get into a near where a fish is concerned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and are you working? I'm in CIA, yeah. Are you? What do you do with CIA? I'm an engineer now, but if I'm down in Fairview, Dart Devil. Are you? Oh, yeah, I am, yeah. Which is where they do all the cleaning and all the maintenance all of the, the darts, isn't the it? the maintenance. Mostly the cleaning we do, and I'm up basically. Do you enjoy I, it? Ah, yeah, it's a good job. We've got a good bunch of lads there, the nice fellas, you know, so I have no complaints, and it's it's a good company. It's not a bad company to work for, yeah, you know, because it, the security is there anyway, you know. Yeah. You and, know? and tell me about entertainment and recreation and all that type. Do you, do you have stuff that you do outside of work, or, or is minding your daughter the full-time? Da- the daughter is a full-time job. You, you don't know? play golf or... No, 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 football. Golf or films or anything, no. no. We just basically go to the dogs on a Friday. We like going over to Harold's Cross on Friday, and that's it. We bring her over with us, so that's my life. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. The streets are crowded, the pub's full. These young guys are standing on a pedestrian street, drinking vodka from plastic Diet Coke bottles. The urine flows down the steps and mixes in with the many empty naggins smashed on the footpath next to the boys. 
We the Irish, apparently, are Europe's biggest binge drinkers. If you're an Irish man, for example, out of every 100 drinking occasions, 58 will end in a binge. For women it's 30, but that's rising rapidly. Ireland is one of the biggest consumers of alcohol in the world. That's a quote from the government-appointed Strategic Task Force on Alcohol, published in 2004. A word like consumer, though, makes you feel as if you have a choice. You're just sipping a little vodka here, a glass of wine there, having a bottle of beer, a pint of cider, bitter, sparkling, clear and lovely. The word consumer implies a control choice. Things don't seem very controlled by midnight. But there is an internal logic to the night. When the small pubs close, the super pubs dim their lights, pump up their music and start advertising their shiny wares. The most common way to extend a regular bar licence is to apply to a judge for an extension order. So if you put something like this in context, in 1967 there were about 6,000 of these. By 2006 there was 91,000. An army of invisibles serve this new night. Foreign faces who work behind the counters at the spars and the garages and the chippers. So on a busy street corner stands a bright and cheerful chipper. If you look through the window you can see tables and chairs, poker machine. Yeah, it's very important because when people come inside they hear It's only eight months old, the chipper, the owner tells me. Can you put again same Derelict for 10 years before he took it over. He gave it an Italian name. Like uh, Saturday, Friday nights, come in couples and uh, I see, they see it and relax. He gave it an Italian name, even though he speaks Russian, not Italian. You know, be kissing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More romantic. Nice. Behind the counter, four people were working. All the drinking, they come to Luciano's takeaway. Luciano's less Italian. It's not, it's not Italian. Nobody Italian here. It was ten years ago Italian. <laughs> Sean from China, who carried bucket after bucket of chopped peeled potatoes in from the kitchen. Nice. And great weekends. And after you wait for taxi. <laughs> A silent, smiling Arabic-looking man frying the burgers. And the owner, Fatili. I have a. Uh, I'm citizen of Ukraine, and I'm teacher of music. Small and dark, he studied music in the Ukraine. Now he owns this new chip shop. When I come, I have 19 years. His girlfriend. I don't know why. She's dyed blonde hair. I have just. One friend. Blue eyes, blue eye shadow. Her name is Aruni. She said, may I go to Ireland? I said, maybe I go with you. She said, okay, no problem. <laughs> Just finish college and we go. I think I come back after one year. And after I meet with Ali and I stay here. A Ukrainian and Latvian. They met in Ireland in 2001. 
and now work side by side every night, every day, seven days a week. Over 100 per week. If we're not working, we no have money. That's why. All customers drunk. I have to ask two, three times minimum salt vinegar. They not hear me. <laughs> After maybe they hear. Okay, can I have the next hamburger and a hamburger with egg and cheese? Or yeah. No, I don't. Don't do anything. I want burger. Yes, Sometimes five times <coughs> you ask, they not hear you. I, I think people drink too much here. I think yes. Before, when I come here, I think in Latvia drink too much. Just when I see in Dublin, I think in Dublin drink too much. These four are in tune with the rhythms of a modern Irish night out. Between 2am and 4am is their busiest time. Because that's when the super pubs and clubs switch their lights on bright abruptly stopped their music and emptied their consumers out onto the streets. In 2003, a report by the National Crime Council found that there was a large increase in public order offences and that alcohol was the primary factor. Outside, Places like Fatelli's Chipper seem like bright little stars to drunken eyes. Inside the shop, it's gearing up for its busiest two hours of the day. From Disco. From, yeah, from disco, from pub, from disco. From nightclub, from, from everywhere. You came to Dublin and stood here. How many words did you know? Zero. Zero. What? I know only table, shop. <laughs> And school, that's all. Three walls. And thank you. <laughs> and please. <laughs> Give me a calico. What the fuck? Hot water, ferry, <laughs> Damastas. <laughs> Two, three times, and it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Very bad. Very, very bad. 
<laughs> a customer got sick in their toilets last night. I said, look, man, it's not a problem my food. It's a problem your pint. Pint. Because you're drinking a lot. I make it this chicken kebab. And I know, is it good or not? Last night? Last night, yeah. Last year, okay. there were 64,994 reported public order incidents. Okay, no problem. Just Many more are dealt informally by the guards on the night. And more again, never even register like vomiting over someone's property or throwing a chair through the glass of the counter. Have you ever tried to take tiny shreds of glass out of oil, Vitelli asks. This, though, is a night off. The chip shop is closed. They're dressed up, ready to go to a friend's house. Except... New Year, New and, Year uh, and uh, Christmas. It's a bad business, Vitelli says. But this night they're happy and want to get away from their chip shop, talk about their dreams, their son. Because I don't know how long <laughs> seven days I will stay here, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have free time <laughs> later because soon uh, from this year son go in school and I have to be with son his age is a four and a half and I was five years old from September he started going in school he born here and he born in this weather <laughs> that's my thing you settle in here your son will become very Irish do you find that strange? Your son will go to school, he will have Irish friends, he will be David, he will speak in an Irish accent mm -hmm. and... That's good. You, yeah. He will teach us. <laughs> he will teach us, yes. <laughs> no, I think he's a professor. <laughs> because he wants to know everything. <laughs> Very interesting. Even now in shop, sometimes when I come in the morning, I said to him, can you give me a hand? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a hand, wash. <laughs> yes, they'll open on St. Patrick's Day. They know it'll be a busy day and even busier night. What's that mean? She speaks Russian and she said to Russian people, uh, not only Russian to people who speak Russian language, everything best in Patrick Day. Uh, have a nice day, celebrate, relax, and, and all best. That's not only for Russian, for all Irish peoples and for all peoples who live in Dublin who, are, who live in yeah. Do you want your son to work in chip shop? No. I want uh, if my son be doctor or a solicitor or something different, just not in chip shop. I don't want this profession for my son. It's a very hard job. Maybe it looks like easier. It's very, very hard job. No respect. No respect and 
No comment about that. Big fucking live cooking chicken. Chicken breast, big chicken breast. The group of men stare at Aruni as they ask for the chicken. Yeah, big breasts, they say. By a quarter to four, there's a long queue in the chipper. Red eyes, mascara run, shoes off, snogging, attempts to smoke. One guy comes in and asks for telly as he a taxi firm. Small fry, though, this weekend. Fatili and Aruni sleep, but the city is still awake. After a lot of fanfare on its release, in the end, the Strategic Task Force on Alcohol had almost none of its recommendations implemented. There's a new advisory group on alcohol. It will report to the Minister for Justice in a few weeks. This St. Patrick's weekend, a judge in Letterkenny has already decided that for himself by making all the nightclubs in the town close half an hour earlier. It's time to shout stop, he said. I don't know if it'll make any difference, but we have to try. Is that Patrick Day? That's right, yeah. I'm sorry to bother you. My name is Ronan Kelly. I'm with RT Radio and I'm making a programme for Patrick's Day. Yes. And I'm interviewing people in, around the country called Patrick Day. That's I, all. There aren't too many of them. Whereabouts uh, are you? What part of the country are you in? I'm in Cork. Yeah? Yeah. And is your birthday around Paddy's Day? This, it's, it is actually that day. It's on 17th of March, is it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes, it's not great. Well, That's an, uh, a bit of an amazing coincidence. like. Uh, Happy birthday in advance. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, right. But they had no problem in finding a name for me. I brought it with me, like, you know. You did. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole lot. What generation are you? What age group would you be? In the 70s. Are oh, you? Yeah. I am in All my right. 70s, yeah. So they're gone a while. I've gone quite a bit, yeah. What, what business were they in? What was the family? We were involved in farming. Mm -hmm. We had a pub in the, in the village here. I'm in a place called Whitegate, you know, you ever heard of I, it? I've heard of it. Is it's it where a, there's an oil refinery? It's, it's exactly, yeah. The only oil refinery in Ireland is in Whitegate, you know. And do you remember that being built? I do, indeed. 
And what was that? Is it huge? Is it a, a it's big... It's a huge thing, yeah. And did you mind it being built? How did no, you f- no, no, no. Actually, there are no problems from pollution or anything, you know. It's just mm. supposed to be a very clean... Yeah. And of course, the, the pub probably did well during construction, did it? It did very well, yeah. It did. <laughs> did indeed. Okay. And did you work in the business, the family business? I didn't do... I did the farming business, like, but my other brothers did the business. We were butchering as well, you know. Were you? Uh, and doing a bit of everything. Why did you decide on that part of the business to go into? I always had a liking for it, you know. I was more cut out for that than for the business side, I'd say. I, I know no regrets for that. I think I did the right thing. Did you? I have no regrets, whatever. Most of the people that you went to school with, did they stay around or did they emigrate? Oh, they emigrated actually at the time, yeah. And what we had here was we had a lot of connection with the British Navy and a lot of fellas going to school now would have gone direct to England to join in the British Navy, you know. Did they? Yeah. And did anyone look askance at, at fellas going off and joining the British Navy? It was, no, it was a kind of, uh, like their fathers before them had done it, and it was kind of an automatic thing for them to do. And did you have family? Uh, I have a son and daughter, yeah. And, and any interests in the farming for them? My son is, is interested in it, all right, but he has an off-farm job now at the moment, you know. Does he? Yeah, well, that, that is the trend, like, over the country. He's working in the oil refinery, actually. And is your daughter around? Is she nearby? She's a chiropodist. She's yeah. working in the town of Middleton. Well, that would yeah. be my nearest town as well, you know? Great. Yeah. So that's amazing to have the two of them around, isn't that it? That is great, yeah. It's great um, in the country, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And do you travel at all? Not very far, no. no. You I don't go on foreign holidays or anything? Uh, no, no. Uh, did a few trips, all right. On the religious side, I went to Medjugorje. Did you? I did. What was that like? That was very enjoyable. Was it? It was an experience, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. And the religion is important now still, is it to you? Oh, it is indeed, very much. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. You're not going to change sides now? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You'd stay on the I'll same see, time. I'll see it through now for what's left of it. <laughs> Can you film all those? All them? All the young fellas? See the stick? See your mum with the stick? All them. They've gone into the shop there. See them in the shop? They're losing. That's what they're doing. They're losing. This is the Love Ulster Riots of February 2006. The last time there was looting on O'Connell Street was 90 years before. That year was 1916. When Porrick Pierce declared a republic. And the children from the nearby tenement flats looted O'Connell Street.
as Pierce and Connolly barricaded themselves into the GPO. The next thing, there was a, car, a shop called Noblitz was on the corner of Henry Street. Across the street, this man was 13 at the time. And next to half a brick or something, hit the pile of glass or someone gave it a kick or abused it. We all scrambled into it. He looted Noblet's sweet shop on the corner of O'Connell and Henry Street. It's a shoe shop, it's shoe limited. Uh, you know, it's the two floor shoe store. And 90 years on, and not 100 yards away from Noblet's sweet shop. The men's floor's upstairs, ladies' floor downstairs. You know, we, we've got around about probably 300 styles down the ladies' floor and 200 upstairs. A group of children were to rob 33 right-sided shoes. I think a lot of the young people had no understanding. Oh, it was only 13. They may not have had access, I suppose, to education or, um, in some cases, can't read or write. We're not in any way aware of what was going on. It was in no way planned. They had no understanding of the larger issues. We've seen all the police around the pillar. That's the Dublin Metropolitan Police. We're all around the pillar. And I stood across the look. And then I see the, the, the yard there. The fellas marching up. You know what? I just don't know what this is in the army that time. March walking up and the horse out to the GPO. I stopped. The warder command and it's all sudden towards the GPO. And then the next warder command, I made a dash for the post office. And broke in all the windows and got in. Started barricading all the place up in front. If you look at the window on the right hand side there, then you're looking at that hole underneath the stairs is pretty much six feet away from the shop floor itself and as far as I'm aware, that's how they came into the store. The next thing, there was a, car, a shop called Noblitz was on the corner of Henry Street. They literally smashed the windows and jumped through the windows as far as I'm aware. And it, 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 half a brick or something, hit the pile of glass or someone gave it a kick or abuse or something, we all scrambled into it. It was insane. The shops were just open, everything was happening. I think they almost felt elated by the fact that the city centre was so active and so free and there was so much going on. What ended up with got the sweets, big lumps of, and sheets of it in, in their trays and, and nuts on top of them. Nuts on, you know. Uh, and then we was looking most already for the big heavy licorice. But even afterwards, didn't reflect on political issues or had no awareness around what even was going on on the day. No, that's all I was looking for, licorice. And licorice tree. You ever see licorice tree? It's a tree that you charge and then you spit it out. And for them, suddenly, things that they had, I suppose, strived to acquire at points in their life and weren't able to, were suddenly available. Very, I suppose, accessible and very, very easy to acquire for all of ten minutes. They ravaged both floors. Half the uh, half the right feet of the shoes on display were then stolen, which is obviously pointless. But uh, but apart from that, there was bags stolen and that kind of thing. 
I think it didn't take from the fact that for those two minutes young people felt a sense of being quite powerful and elated that I suppose certain things were available in a way they hadn't been before. I'd say there was nothing innocent about it because everything they did and everything they stole was was needless, to be honest. You know, stealing stealing 30-odd right feet is pointless. It really is. So, you know, there's absolutely no point to what they did. But I suppose if your life is very much based around the city centre and you can't acquire certain things that you may want at points, to suddenly hear uh, literally the doors are swinging open if you want to go get it now and that informal network I think moved very quickly and a lot of young people heard not about anything political but literally just shop doors are hanging open go get what you want um, that happened in it's a period of five ten minutes we it caused some grief obviously because at that point in time we've then got to go through go through the stock that we've still got left in the shop and make sure that the right feet that we would have had to pair up for the pairs is then taken out of out of the stock room and sent back to the warehouse there was a good 20 or 30,000 pounds worth of damage um, euros should I say uh, as far as uh, as far as I'm aware it was mainly the windows but if you smashed you know two of those windows then you're talking 20 grand straight away there's about 26 pennies I found and I thought I was a millionaire you know what I mean now The boy who looted the sweet shop made his way home, past the GPO. I had a bullet squizzing by me, there's no, no sense, you know what I mean? Click that, all going. Maybe it's good in the wall. I suppose I couldn't say directly how many cases were. I know I was involved in working with three or four young people who appeared before the Children's Court shorty, shortly after. A homeless boy who took part in opportunistic looting during the Love Ulster rally has been released by the Children's Court without conviction. The boy spent the night before his court appearance sleeping on the street. And all of the three or four cases that I was involved directly in, um, two of the young people had never been involved in crime to any extent before, which I would say, given their background, is quite remarkable. Guard Timothy Casey said that the boy was not part of the core group involved in the riot and acted in an opportunistic way. Defence solicitor said the boy was homeless from a young age. His parents had alcohol problems. His mother had died on the streets. The boy from 1916 passed the GPO, went down O'Connell Street and crossed the Liffey. I went down along the quay, and down into, into, into the Viennoi, on the south side. The boy bought tobacco with his 29 pennies. That's fine you could get. Uh, I think it was five wood points for a penny. And it was a place in Fitzgerald's in pastry. And they they were the Fitzgerald's that was in the trouble too. And the woman used to go in and get five wood points for a penny and ask for a few matches and she'd fill up the, the packet full of matches. <laughs> Seventeen-year-old Georgian unaccompanied minor has received an eight-month suspended sentence for looting. His defence solicitor said that he found life much more difficult in Ireland than in Georgia. Given the lifestyles that some young people have had to live at different stages, um, they've been in the city centre and to some extent have made it their home. 
um, to a point where like certain bridges certain areas which they would nickname would be where they would sleep where they would find members of their family Charges have been dropped against a 17 year old arrested for looting The child was from the north inner city They may not have had the opportunity to ever attend school maybe I suppose to engage in a very normal way with each other as a family so quite often a lot of the work that we would do would be in terms of maybe sitting and spending some time with parents and children who are all sleeping rough on the streets, trying to teach them how to engage with each other and maybe encourage them to access accommodation separately. When I go home, when I go home, I did a bag and it was full of cheese, another half full of cheese and half full of ginger snaps. A homeless 16-year-old arrested during the Love Ulster riots appeared in the children's court charged with looting. The teenager is a member of the travelling community. He spent the night before his appearance sleeping on the streets. One of the more interesting aspects is that a lot of the young people haven't engaged with mainstream services from a very young age, in that they haven't engaged in education. Um, I suppose, I think it's almost interesting. They operate on a very different level to the rest of us. I remember meeting one of the young people one night and he said to me, is it summer now? And I said, well, no, not yet. And he said, but it's warm. And I suppose they operate of a very basic sense of survival day to day. The boys walked that day in 1916, took them down Pier Street and across the Grand Canal to Ring's End and to home. I'll go home then, I'll cross the three locks to come home, look down the bottle house lane, into South Lots Road, into the South Lots place. Hello. Hi, can I speak with Patrick Day, please? Speaking. Would you have a minute to talk to me at all? Oh, well, I'm here for the white hair. Yeah? I'm, I'm interviewing people called Patrick Day. But do you think you'd have a word with me? Well, I'll do because um, he's a bit shy. He's a bit shy? Oh, okay. Well, I was just... Can, can you tell me a little bit about him and sort of what age he is and... He worked in CIE. Did he? Yeah. I'm just after talking to another man up in Ballyfermot and his name is Patrick Day and he works in CIE. Well, well he worked in Danbrook Garage at cleaning the buses and things like that. Do you know, the guy I just talked to works down in uh, Fairview on the dart cleaning the, the trains. Oh, that's a good win. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> that's but then he had to give it up because he has Parkinson's. That's why he can't talk. You know, he, gets, he has to shake so much. You know, he can't hold the phone very long. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Here he is now. Hello? How are you? All right. That's good. You're, I'm sorry to hear about the Parkinson's. Uh, it's mild, you know. I will have it all right. Is it sore? No, it's just uh, it shakes an awful lot, you know. Right. I have to rub a gel into the leg. Yeah, like what Clay had, you know, the boxer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. But he didn't have his money. Jeez, you know, he don't have... Well, the brother in Australia has the same. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's over there in Adelaide, nearly 40 years, so I'd seen him once. What do you do on Patrick's Day? Do you do anything special? Not really, it's just uh, like on a Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, I'll go out and have about three or four points of damage and I'll finish for the whole week. Yeah, I have to rub the, the white port to see if there's money in it. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
What's a, what's a Dublin man doing drinking Beamish? Well, I tell you, I like the old Beamish because it, it's cheap and it's like taking a pint of milk. Okay. Yeah, you know, you never really complain. There's a few people drinking now, you know, and yeah. it's cheaper. It's easy on you as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you see, the Guinness was too gassy, you know, oh, for your nice. stomach. When was the last time you told the story of St. Patrick to somebody? It's a story that has been argued down through the ages, and it seems that we all have our own take on the story of St. Patrick. A recent favourite of mine is that St. Patrick was, in fact, a Cork man. Well, I'm Jerry Murphy, the poet, I suppose. Some people call me that. And we're here to, to talk about St. Patrick. Yeah, the, well, the real story about St. Patrick, which is only after coming to life recently. Um, I just discovered it in a... An old um, book I found up in Blarney Street in a ruin of a house. And uh, seemingly it's a true story. And, you know, if you talk to people about it, they just say, no, 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 that's, that's, that's nonsense. It's St. Finbar's, the patron saint of Cork and all that. And they won't listen, basically. So I'm plowing a lonely furrow. So if you want it, here it is. Reader, tear up the history books, at least tear out those pages that claim St. Patrick was born in Wales, or Brittany. The news is out, he was born in Cork. I know what you're thinking, we like to claim anybody of any note for Cork, but in this case, the evidence is incontrovertible. Forget those fabulous stories about his capture as a young man by Irish marauders and sold as a slave to Moku, who used him to mind his pigs halfway up Sleeve Mish. It's all nonsense. After all, whoever kept pigs on the mountain... They have no head for heights. Sheep, no, they're a different matter. As I was saying, St. Patrick was born in, southern, in the southern capital, in Blarney Street to be precise. His mother kept pigs and ran a thriving business selling crew beans wrapped in vellum. She sent St. Patrick to Rome to be educated in a seminary where he was quickly ordained and sent back to Cork. Converting Cork was easy. His mother came up with the novel idea of offering free crew beans with every child baptised. So some people had their child baptised twice on the strength of the offer. Converting Ireland was a little more difficult, understandably so, since nobody outside Cork likes to be told anything by a Corkman, especially in matters of religion. However, St. Patrick eventually won the rest of the country over to the one true faith, on the promise of making honorary Cork people of all those who submitted to Rome and gave up their weird pagan notions. What about St. Finbar? I hear you ask. I'm getting to that. He did indeed come to Cork much later and informed the people that he was going to convert them and furthermore he had the honour to announce that he was ready to become their patron saint with immediate effect and since the people of Cork were too well-bred to disillusion him, they just left him off. So, do you believe Jerry Murphy in his poem about St. Patrick having been born in Blarney Street, Cork? A Cork man through and through? Well, to disagree, you'd have to have your own story of St. Patrick. What do any of us know about St. Patrick these days? Is there one version of the story of St. Patrick that we can all agree on? I travelled to the Jemson Whiskey Distillery in Middleton, County Cork. I stood outside it for an hour and met with some of the visitors there to find out the story of St. Patrick as they know it today. Uh, really, in America, he's more thought of uh, as more of a, a party saint. I'd have to say, uh, because we always have festivals, always have, you know, a good time, and uh, all, all the Irish pubs are really busy, and so he'd be equated with fun. <laughs> Do you think people know anything about him as a person? Um, 
not unless they went out to Wikipedia and really took a look, you know. I, I think they don't, uh, they haven't really delved into it unless they're really into it, you know, I mean, there are those, but uh, I don't think the general populace just, they know it's an Irish um, kind of holiday and slash uh, saint uh, that, that they pay respects to, so. So, if you're one of those who are really into it and do look up St. Patrick in Wikipedia, this is what you'll find. Born 385 AD, died March 17th, 461 AD, venerated in Roman Catholicism, the Anglican Church of Ireland, the Lutheran Church and the Orthodox Church. Feast, 17th of March. St. Patrick was a Christian missionary and is the patron saint of Ireland along with Bridget of Kildare and Columba. Patrick was born in Roman Britain. When he was about 16 he was captured by Irish raiders and taken as a slave to Ireland where he lived for six years before escaping and returning to his family. He entered the church, as his father and grandfather had before him, becoming a deacon and a bishop. He later returned to Ireland as a missionary, working in the north and west of the island. But little is known about the places where he actually worked, and no link can be made with Patrick and any church. By the 8th century, he had become the patron saint of Ireland. I mean, I'm an English bloke living here, so I found out about it since I've lived here, but I wouldn't have known much about St. Patrick before I moved here, that's, that's so true. Was Welsh, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, the only thing you know about him is that he was born in 1854, I think, in Scotland. I don't know if I'm right now that or not, but... Um, Does I'm anybody not... think... Uh, was St. Patrick Irish? He was English, oh, wasn't he? I knew I was right. He was from Scotland, was he? I think he was from Scotland. I knew he was an Irish. I don't think he was. We have an English person here that's very quiet. She said that anyway. She said that anyway. He was definitely English. After all the whiskey, after all the whiskey, you had to drink again. She said that again. It's a fact he was English and went to Wales on his holiday, and that's when he was nicked by the Irish. And he was originally. They stole him. He came in in a boat, you know. He came in on a boat. He did. <laughs> he was minding. No, he's a double idiot. I didn't know what the Irish stole him. I don't that would have been kidnapping, wouldn't it? I don't know. I think he lived in Australia, actually. When I lived in Australia, people got very excited about St. Patrick. Excuse me, St. Patrick was English. And he came off to Ireland. I saw I know about him. I have a picture of him on my wall at home. I think he's brilliant myself. And I look forward to St. Patrick's Day every time. And I like St. Patrick's, my favourite saint. See, he's my saint. Fantastic. I'm, I'm called Stephen Patrick Joseph. So I'm called after him in the church. I'm from Kerry. I'd love if he was from Kerry. <laughs> what are the chances of that happening, Joe? Uh, doubtful at <laughs> this stage. It doesn't really matter. I mean, God, look what he did for us, you know. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter where you're from, does it? And in the case of St. Patrick, it certainly doesn't matter where you're from. I suppose what really matters is that he's ours. He's our patron saint. Well, as, as you know, St. Patrick is the patron saint of the diocese. He, he was brought into this country as a slave. He spent an awful lot of his time minding sheep in the mountains, and he had a very hard life, he had a very hard bringing up. That's about all I know about St. Patrick now. What about the snakes? Yes, well, he, he, he drove the serpents from Ireland when he, when he was leaving. He said they'd never, a dangerous reptile would never be heard of in Ireland. I suppose the getting rid of the snakes is getting rid of evil, so he 
goodliness, saintliness. Who knows? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. What, not Christianity? Well, he was, yeah, he was. I, didn't he brought Christianity to Ireland and the Catholicism? Or Christianity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. so yeah. Hence the patron saint. But so is it still observed patient. for what it's supposed to be observed for, or is it just a big binge now? Given all the time that's passed, it's easy to forget that St. Patrick was a man, a human being. Well, uh, he was a very holy man, I'd say. Uh, other than that, I don't know, really, and that he had a, a fine long beard, longer than my own. <laughs> well, the usual picture of him, where is an elderly gentleman who had returned to convert us to the faith. He, were, he had all the long robes of a bishop and a hat and a staff and things, but when he was here, when he was a garçon, uh, he just had, I suppose, whatever the, the native robe was at the time. Wasn't it like sheepskin or something like that, wasn't it? Do you think he was a tall man? Uh, yes, tall, yeah. But not as far as me. Not a good joke, man. I'm saying uh, he, was, he, was, he was six foot then. Six foot tall he was. I suppose they would have been a small people then. They wouldn't have been big. Bearded, long hair. Who knows? Twinkly eyes. Possibly, yeah. Big smile. <laughs> and a pint in left hand. <laughs> or the right hand. Both hands. <laughs> if there was a modern day St. Patrick, who do you think he'd be? I mean, what are the types of characteristics of personality that one would need to be a St. Patrick? Well, I suppose forgiveness, tolerance. Um, yes, you want to think about that one, not you? Don't you? I don't know, Nelson Mandela or someone. Is he somebody that you'd like to find out about yourself? Yeah, more. Uh, yeah, a program on it would be wonderful. Uh, you know, the life and history of you know St. Patrick would be wonderful. It seems to me that no matter your age, race, or creed, if you're Irish or have had any contact with Ireland and its people you're likely to have your own take in the story of St. Patrick. Whatever story you have, hold on to it, because it's yours. Do you have children or, or nieces yeah. or nephews yourself? I have, I have five children, yeah. yeah. And what kind of teachings would you pass on to them about St. Patrick? Um, I'd like to think that they're very proud. They're certainly very proud Kerry people, and I would certainly like to think they'd have the same sense of pride in their national holiday as what we have and the fact that St. Patrick did um, save us. I still believe that. I'd like to think they do too. Do, do you feel very Irish or does it matter to you at all? Oh, well, well I, I do feel Irish, yeah. yeah. Well, I was always kind of like Patriotic, if you know. I wouldn't say yeah. too patriotic, but I am a, yeah, but well, I'd be a patriotic man, like to a certain degree, like, you know, I mean, sure. a lot of points about what goes on in Irish politics as well, you know, and history. So that's the way I feel about it, you know. You'll go to Mass now on Patrick's Day, I, I imagine. Indeed, yeah. And yeah. what else do you do on the day? Oh, well, I wouldn't be doing much celebrating now at this time of my life, you know. Do you go parade. to a parade? No, it wouldn't be my form. I, did, I used to always go when the children were young, you know, yeah. and bring them along with me. Into, I'm into hoping that they'll come and visit me now. And did you get a hard time with the name Patrick Day? Not at all. No. Yeah, someone up here called Mr. Nice. You know, for as a joke. Oh, Jeannie, man. say, oh, here's Mr. Nice. I was called B-Day. I was called... <laughs> Paddy, ooh, well, there was a song out called Gilbert O'Sullivan and I got an awful life over it. Ooh, do wacka day Well, listen, enjoy Patrick's Day. I will. 
Thank right, you, Patrick thanks. Day. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. Thank you. What are you going to get for your birthday? <laughs> she hasn't told me yet. It'll be big, though. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, they got out any more children, that's for sure. <laughs> Too old for that. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. Thanks a million. For no problem. Bye bye. Bye bye.